the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. This program was originally broadcast live on 93.9 KPDQ. We hope you enjoy the show. Well, good afternoon and welcome to the Tuesday edition of the Georgine Rice Show. James Blend is engineering and producing today's program. Today we'll hear from Father Dwight Longenecker. We'll talk about the mystery of the Magi. We'll also talk with Marie Fishpaw in the 5 o'clock hour. She's the director of domestic policy studies at the Heritage Foundation's Institute for Family, Community and Opportunity on why a judge ruled Obamacare unconstitutional and what policymakers should do and can do next. We'll uh, hear from Scott Gilchrist for those who listen to the latter part of the program. And we'll talk with Carmen Scott. She uh, works with Options 360. We're going to talk about end-of-year giving. It's a good time to think about how you want to uh, give those dollars before the tax season begins in 2019. First, some of the developing news stories. A federal judge delayed sentencing once again for former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn today, pushing off the case after a dramatic hearing. Also, the um, White House suggested today that the president uh, could back down from his demand for $5 billion to fund his proposed border wall and a year-end spending bill. His uh, push for the money has threatened a partial government shutdown when funding for seven agencies lapses after midnight on Friday. Last week, the president said he would be proud to close parts of the government over border security. Fired FBI Director James Comey lashed out at House Republican lawmakers and Fox News after his uh, closed-door testimony on Russia and Hillary Clinton, the email investigation, and the uh, transcript has since been released. We'll tell you a bit about that. Wall Street will be closely watched and has been after big losses on Monday sent U.S. stocks to their lowest levels in more than a year. And put the Dow and S&P 500 and NASDAQ composite in negative territory for the year. Meanwhile, Federal Reserve will begin uh, day one of its two-day final policy meeting in 2018. And the president has been criticized for pledging to review the case of a former Green Beret charged with murdering a suspected Taliban bomb maker. One retired Army brigadier general says that uh, asked the question why his intervention in the case is justified. Well, as I mentioned, the uh, during the sentencing hearing of U.S. District Judge um, Emmett Sullivan, um, Emmett G. Sullivan, he tore into the defendant, uh, Mr. Flynn, uh, and other alleged misdeeds uh, that he is accused of having committed and has pled guilty to. The judge called Flynn and his attorneys uh, to the stand and asked a series of questions to ensure that Flynn did, in fact, uh, want to plead guilty. Flynn said he did not want to withdraw his plea. Later in the hearing, though, the judge ripped into Flynn, calling his plea very serious. The judge even asked prosecutors if Flynn could have been charged with treason, which they uh, hesitated to answer. Arguably, you sold your country out, Sullivan told Flynn. Uh, saying that he would not uh, hide his disgust or disdain for the offense. Uh, The court then went into a brief recess after returning. Flynn's lawyers took up the judge 
uh, on an offer to delay proceedings. Sullivan set a conference hearing for March the 13th. The judge, by the way, did backtrack on the suggestion that treason had been committed in some of the other statements that he made. And as I mentioned, the White House suggested the president could back down on the demand for $5 billion to fund his proposed border wall in a year uh, year in spending bill. We have other ways that we can get to that $5 billion that will uh, uh, we'll work with Congress. White House Press Secretary Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, said today or this morning, she added that the president, the administration could support a $1.6 billion in border security funding proposed by Senate Democrats as long as it can be coupled with other funding resources to get to that $5 billion. She added that at the end of the day, we don't want to shut down the government. We want to shut down the border. Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer and House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi have cast the potential lapse in funding as the Trump shutdown. Uh, when President, uh, when Pelosi rather, go to the president in the Oval Office in the fracas last week, the characterization appeared to irritate the president. Sarah Huckabee Sanders comments mark a de-escalation of the White House's rhetoric on the proposed barrier of the U.S.-Mexico border. The president has repeatedly threatened to force a shutdown if he cannot secure money for the wall. As a candidate, he promised to force Mexico to fund that uh, barrier. Well, James Comey blasted House Republicans on Monday after um, uh, exiting what he described as a frustrating closed door hearing, his second Capitol Hill appearance this month, where he was called to answer questions on the Russia and Hillary Clinton probes. Well, today, the transcript of that, uh, what we're now being told, explosive closed door Comey uh, questioning is has been released. House Republicans released that transcript Um, of James Comey, who revealed during the questioning that FBI agents knew exactly what ex-National Security Advisor Michael Flynn had told Russian Ambassador Kislyak uh, prior to interviewing him at the White House. So was it an example of entrapment? Already having known the answer to the question, they ask it in order to test the veracity of the um, of uh, the former uh, national security advisor, the 173 page transcript, which documented congressional Republicans second hearing additionally included Comey's explanation of why he broke normal protocol by sending two FBI agents into the white house to interview Flynn in January uh, without involving or notifying white house lawyers. Flynn has pled guilty to lying to the FBI during that fateful interview about whether he had talked to Kislyak about Russia modulating its uh, response to sweeping sanctions imposed against Russia by the Obama administration, as well as whether he had discussed whether Russia could veto a a United Nations vote condemning Israel. His sentencing was delayed until March after a fiery hearing in which the presiding judge openly voiced his disgust at Flynn's um, conduct. And let's see, um, Wall Street braced for another potential volatile day today after U.S. stocks closed sharply lower on Monday, deepening annual losses. And President Trump has been accused by some critics of trying to influence the outcome of a case involving a decorated Green Beret accused of murder and the death of a Taliban bomb maker. By announcing his decision to review the case via Twitter, some critics say the president's wielding his influence. However, General uh, Anthony Tata, retired uh, brigadier general of the United States Army, who served as Secretary of Transportation of North Carolina from 2013 to 2015 under Governor Pat McCroy, 
uh, says the president's actions are justified. In an op-ed, he writes, President Donald Trump is perfectly within his legal authority to assert that he will review the case of West Point graduate and Special Forces Major Matthew Goldstein, uh, who is charged with murdering a Taliban bomb maker in Afghanistan in 2010. He went on to say, as commander-in-chief, the president has the ultimate authority and responsibility to review military cases as he sees fit. His tweet does not extend, uh, exert command influence and is neutral in its tenor, rightfully so, as uh, uh, Goldstein is an almost nine-year-old complex case that puts a warrior in legal jeopardy. And on this day in 1998, the House debates articles of impeachment against President Bill Clinton. And on this day in 1944, the U.S. Supreme Court upholds the government's wartime evacuation of people of Japanese descent from the West Coast, while at the same time ruling that um, conceitedly loyal Americans of Japanese ancestry could not continue to be detained. And on this day in 1892, Peter Ilyich uh, Tchaikovsky, get that right. Uh, The ballet The Nutcracker publicly premieres in St. Petersburg, Russia. Although now considered a classic, it received a generally negative reception from critics at the time. So time can change some things. 15 minutes after four o'clock, you're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. One minutes after four o'clock, you're listening to the Georgine Rice Show, brought to you in part today by Liberty Coin and Currency. Well, a new study shows that the top problem cited by Americans is government, and the second top problem is immigration. For contrast, among this, uh, uh, the issues seen at least problematic for Americans are unemployment, jobs, and gun control. Uh, In the survey conducted by Gallup after the midterm elections, the polling firm asked Americans about the country's top problems and then listed those issues that were mentioned by at least 3% of the respondents. 19% of respondents cited government as the problem, making it the top issue of concern. In second place came immigration, cited by 16% of the respondents. However, when broken down politically, 29% of Republicans said immigration was the problem, but only 7% of Democrats said the same. Only 8% of respondents said Unifying the country was the problem, and only 3% said unemployment and jobs uh, and then gun control were the problems. Also, only 5% said health care was the problem. Well, these, uh, this data came from a Gallup uh, poll taken between the 3rd and 12th of December in a survey. You can take it for, um, for what it's worth. Republican Representative Martha, Martha rather, McSally, just weeks after losing one of the midterm's tightest and most contentious Senate races, was appointed by Arizona Governor Doug Ducey on Tuesday to fill the state's other U.S. Senate seat. McSally will uh, serve for at least the next two years in the seat that was held by longtime Arizona Senator John McCain until his death in August. With her experience and long record of service, Martha is uniquely qualified to step up and fight for Arizona's interests in the U.S. Senate, Ducey said in a statement. The governor had appointed former Senator John Kyle to the seat in September, but Kyle, after serving for several months, announced plans to resign at the end of the year. According to Ducey's office, Kyle's resignation will be effective on the 31st of this month. McSally was um, defeated by Democratic Representative Kirsten Sinema uh, in this year's midterm election for the seat held by retiring GOP Senator Jeff Flake. Her appointment uh, means she will now serve alongside her opponent, something Ducey noted in his statement. I thank her for taking on the significant responsibility and look forward to working with her and Senator-elect Sinema uh, to get positive things done. McSally will serve until the 2020 election when uh, voters will elect someone to serve the final two years 
years of McCain's seat. My guess is she will run for re-election. Democrats hope that the seats swing again in 2020 and are expected to target it both in the presidential race and the contest for McCain's seat. U.S. Representative Ruben Galejo, a former astronaut and current gun control advocate Mark Kelly and former Arizona Attorney General Grant Woods, who left the GOP this year, have all considered running as Democrats for that post. President Donald Trump's charitable foundation has agreed to dissolve under judicial supervision amid an ongoing lawsuit, according to a statement from the New York Attorney General Barbara Underwood. The Trump Foundation previously wanted to dissolve on its own terms. The stipulation that requires the foundation to dissolve under judicial supervision will only allow the foundation to distribute its remaining assets to organizations approved by the attorney general's office. Our petition detailed a shocking pattern of illegality involving the Trump Foundation, including unlawful coordination with the Trump presidential campaign, repeated and willful self-dealing, and much more. This amounted to the Trump Foundation functioning as a little more, or rather as little more, than a checkbook to serve Mr. Trump's business and political interests, Underwood said in a statement. This is an important victory for the rule of law, making clear that there is one set of rules for everyone. I wish that were true. Unfortunately, that is not true. I'm just thinking about the Clinton Foundation. Anyway, uh, I think everyone should be held accountable for their misdeeds, regardless of who they are, where they Uh, stand politically. He went on to say, we'll continue to move our suit forward to ensure that the Trump Foundation and its directors are held to account for their clear and repeated violations of state and federal law. Meanwhile, there is a hike in the corporate minimum tax for just surviving in the in as a business in Oregon. There is the stealing of the people's income tax kicker refund. There is the changing the limits on how high your home property tax of your or your business property tax can be raised. There are new beer and wine taxes and the tax increase for the hotel you enjoy. Um, new vaping taxes and a cigar tax increase. We're talking about Oregon that debuted 20 new taxes in a single day. Among them, a short list. Uh, there's a SJR3, a direct um, tr- a kicker to the Education Stability Fund, so you wouldn't get it back. It would go to the Education Stability Fund. Another uh, proposal to create a 10K homestead exemption, increase the progressivity of the corporate minimum tax, uh, one that would modify the tax expenditure definition, change the income tax connection point, require the legislature to ensure property taxes are equitable and fairly apportioned, a tax, business, um, a tax on business property, a tax on business property, there's two different, a joint resolution and another one, local government data access, an MAV and an RMV uh, business property tax, a joint resolution. You, if you're in business, may know what that is. There's an assessment for residential property taxes above a million dollars at the real market value and many, many others. There's a full list of tax plans introduced in a single day um, uh, that you can find online. And uh, this is just the short list of a very long list of tax um, increases or new taxes that will be uh, debated in the Oregon legislature where the Democrats hold the House, the Senate and the governor's seat. So there will be, um, I'm guessing, little resistance to you paying more taxes. And the Willamette Week reports that the uh, Federal Department of Housing and Urban Development is presenting its annual report on homelessness to Congress, a homeless um, Uh, issue that is plaguing much of the country. But Oregon has the nation's second highest rate of unsheltered homeless people, according to this new federal report in the country. The U.S. Department of Housing and Urban Development uh, presented its annual report on homelessness to Congress uh, this week. The data based on a national point in time count show that Oregon again ranks near the top of states in terms of the percentage its homeless population 
um, uh, that are living unsheltered, which means on the streets, in vehicles, parks or other places not designated for humans to sleep. Um, The 100 page HUD report is full of grim findings. Homelessness nationally rose for the second year in a row after uh, bottoming in 2016 and black Americans continue to be disproportionately affected by homelessness while accounting for 13 percent of the U.S. population. African-Americans account for 40 percent of all people experiencing homelessness and 51 percent of people experiencing homelessness as members of families with children. The report says overall, although the number of people who are homeless nationally is Increasing, the total remains far less than about a decade ago when the Great Recession began. And a California-based farm announced last week that red and green leaf lettuce it recently distributed to Oregon and at least five other states is being recalled because the vegetables may be contaminated with E. coli. That's it. I'm not eating salad ever again. Adams Brothers Farming said in a statement uh, on Thursday last that produce harvested from November 27th through November the 30th may contain the bacteria. Red and green leaf lettuce was distributed to wholesalers in Oregon, California, Washington, Colorado, Texas, and Pennsylvania. Just red leaf lettuce was distributed to the wholesaler rather, in some of those locations. There's also a recall on cauliflower uh, distributed by wholesalers in California. Um, that includes uh, that does not rather include Oregon or Washington. The farm was identified by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration as one of the sources of an E. coli outbreak in romaine lettuce last month. Up next, we're going to hear something of the mystery of the Magi, the quest to identify the three wise men, or maybe there were more or fewer. More on that when we return. You're listening to the Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, good afternoon and welcome back. You're listening to the second hour of the Georgine Rice Show. My next guest, writing for the Daily Signal, points out that a judge has declared Obamacare unconstitutional. But the case is far from over. U.S. District Judge Reed O'Connor granted a motion for summary judgment on Friday in favor of 20 states led by Texas that had filed a lawsuit seeking to strike down the Affordable Care Act. The losing side is sure to appeal to the Fifth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals and ultimately the Supreme Court. So what happened and what's likely to happen next? Here to talk with us about that is Marie Fishpaw. She's the Director of Domestic Policy Studies at the Heritage Foundation's Institute for Family, Community and Opportunity. Thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you. Well, let's talk about what happened and and why the judge was called upon to rule in this case. There were several states, 20 to be uh, exact, who have opposed Obamacare. And they're now using uh, the fact that the uh, mandate, the penalty for the mandate is no longer in place. uh, And they say it undermines the, the, uh, the credibility of the law altogether. Can you explain what happened and why the judge said, hey, Obamacare is unconstitutional? Sure. So, the, as you said, a judge declared Obamacare unconstitutional, um, relying on some pretty pretty complex legal machinations. Um, and I think what's important to take away from this is the law still stands. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing changes right now, um, and we're going to see appeals. Um, and it's a real reminder to all of us what a mess this law has been from the beginning. You know, it, and it was a, a law passed hastily or call Nancy Pelosi, who was speaker at the time, saying we had to pass it to know what was in it. So these are not recipes for success. And they've really led to the bad outcomes we've seen of higher costs and reduced choices under the law. So in suggesting that because there's no penalty for the mandate, the tax, if you will, that the Supreme Court said mm-hmm. this whole thing hinges on, 
they're arguing, Texas and 19 other states, they're arguing that the, the law is no longer valid because that linchpin has been uh, removed. Now, this is likely to make its way all the way to the Supreme Court. Any uh, any predictions on what's likely to happen based on that particular argument? Uh, and in uh, in fact, with a new Supreme Court justice, we don't know um, how he might weigh in on this. Any speculation? Well, uh, to be candid, you know, the people on both sides are making really good arguments on on both sides that want that they'll find it constitutional. They won't. Uh, what's interesting to me is it's a reminder to to me, at least, that that health care is is not an issue that's going away and Congress is going to have to come back and deal with it one way or another, um, even though you know Republicans largely wanted to walk away from it last year. We, we see the last two is already arguing that they want to replace Obamacare with single payer. Um, and we see that voters, one of the primary reasons they came out to vote this last election was health care. So this is regardless of what happens with this particular case, Congress is going to have to return to this issue. Well, and this presents, it would seem to me, a perfect opportunity to take it up again. Now, the Republicans failed, even though they campaigned uh, on doing something with health care. The Democrats, at least in the House, are going to have the majority once again. How likely is it that uh, Congress is going to be able to come up with an alternative that actually meets the needs of the American people and perhaps empowers the states to be more innovative in how they um, help to uh, make health care available? Well, you're right. Um, Republicans have promised to do something about this for, gosh, eight camp four years. Sorry, four campaign cycles, eight years, and then uh, couldn't get over the finish line. Um, and now we have a divided Congress. So I, I would expect in the near term to see lots of votes from from centrist Democrats um, who want to just uphold the, up, shore up shore up the law, and then the left continuing to push and organize um, in 2020 for single payer. In the meantime, the Trump administration is doing a lot of really neat things. Um, that I think go in the right strategic direction, which is putting uh, patients more in charge of their dollars, giving them better choices, and really empowering states to help achieve pe- help achieve those goals. So are you optimistic that given the pressure that uh, Congress is likely to be under, uh, given this controversy, that they're going to be forced to f- finally and ultimately jettison Obamacare, or are they more likely to try to uh, put them some um, sutures in it and, and keep it limping along uh, for the sake, perhaps, of political pride or saving face. Yeah. I mean, I think the temptation will be to try to put sutures in, as you, as you so aptly describe it. Um, the, the, that is just not going to be enough, though. Um, you know, the, the Obamacare, we've seen costs double in, in the last four years. Uh, choices have declined. Even people who, you know, with pre-existing conditions can't see, they, they largely, people can't see the same doctors they could see before. Um, they certainly can't see the best doctors um, under many of these plans. So this is not a sustainable path. Um, you know, conservatives have been working for the, to come up with a plan um, that we think is a much better one that would um, really get at some of these problems I was talking about and do so in a way that, that rolls back uh, the government problems that, that created this uh, situation in the first place. So we'd certainly encourage Congress to look in that direction. Now, you write in your column in The Daily Signal, there are steps that states can take right now to ensure people with pre-existing conditions are protected. And of course, that's the uh, issue that's most often uh, brought up is the, the coverage for pre-existing conditions. What are some of the things that states can do and how might Congress come alongside and help them to do that even better? Yeah, that's absolutely right. But so... Um, you know, obviously before Obamacare, states uh, were responsible for regulating insurance, and there were some problems, but 
uh, certainly didn't warrant the, the huge overreach we got with Obamacare. Um, we, heritage research shows that a few states um, have been able to bring down premiums considerably over the past year while still protecting people's pre-existing conditions because they've been able to have even just a little bit of freedom from Obamacare's mandate. So um, it's, it's, they're, they're doing this without new money. They're doing this without new federal intervention. Um, and this is the kind of the innovation that Congress needs to make it easier and, and, and much more widely available for states to do. So uh, the Trump administration is trying to take steps in that direction, um, but we know we're going to need Congress to come back around and really make that possible. Now, empowering the states is another recommendation that you bring forward in your uh, your column. Uh, does there seem to be a, a, an interest in returning to this this notion where the states can um, innovate on their own with some uh, accountability, I suppose? Uh, are, are you optimistic that the new Congress is likely to consider that as an option or does does Washington enjoy uh, having that kind of power and oversight and make it less likely that that's the direction they're going to endorse? Well, you know, I think there's, unfortunately, there's only so much you can do when you have a divided Congress. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I do think we're going to see senators uh, taking a look at um, concepts like the one I've been talking about. 90, 90 conservative organizations across the country have gotten together and endorsed a proposal called the Healthcare Choice Proposal, which would do a lot of the great things we've been talking about here and build on some of those early successes in the states that, that the Trump administration has enabled. Um, so yeah, well, I think the primary um, uh, landscape for innovation, if you will, will be at the state level. I think people will continue to talk about this at the national level, and it's, it's going to continue to be a a subject for conversation through now in 2020. You write at the close of your column, politicians have long promised to replace Obamacare with solutions that help everyone. It's time to deliver no matter which way the courts go. And again, relying on or waiting for the courts to make their ultimate decision is insufficient given the challenges we currently face. And I hope uh, politicians will step up and consider not just their political reputation or which party they belong to, but what's in the best interest of the American people. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for talking with us. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Again, um, my guest, uh, Marie Fishpaw, she's the Director of Domestic Policy Studies at the Heritage Foundation's Institute for Family, Community, and Opportunity, talking about why a judge ruled Obamacare unconstitutional and what policymakers should do next, because they don't have to wait until that decision is finally made, probably by the Supreme Court. Let's hope they uh, they do that. But again, as she pointed out, in a divided Congress, that is less likely than it might have been uh, otherwise. All right, next, uh, we're going to hear from uh, Scott Gilchrist. The downtown Bible class will be meeting tomorrow. We want to make sure you have all the important details. We would love for you to come join us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. It's aired on 93.9 KPDQ. Well, good afternoon and welcome back. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Well, you know, we're at the end of the year and there are opportunities available to us to think about how God has blessed us and the needs of our community. And with me in studio is um, my friend Carmen Scott. She works with Options 360 at their two locations. And because this is the end of the year, we wanted to give you an opportunity to consider giving to the work of Options 360 at their two locations, one in Battleground, the other at the I-205 Clinic in Vancouver. And I just want to thank you, uh, Carmen, for coming in to to talk with us today. Absolutely. It's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. You know, this time of year, people are thinking about, okay, what, what, uh, what can I give to? What are the things that reflect my priorities? 
And Options 360, for those who are not familiar, is a pregnancy resource ministry in the Vancouver and Battleground areas. Give us just a little bit of an overview. Absolutely. Um, we serve the community in both of those locations. Um, and can I just mention, serve very well in those oh, two locations. Oh, thank you. Thank you. It's, it's our pleasure. Um, what we do is we offer medical and um, educational services for our community free of, of charge for uh, people so we don't turn anybody away if they um, don't have um, any insurance or anything. In fact, we that's one of the services that we expanded to this year is we have insurance assisters that can help um, women because it's very difficult to navigate through the mm-hmm. insurance process and things like that. But what we do mainly is we offer um, medical and educational services to our community so that each individual that comes in has the opportunity to make an educated decision based on their sexual health and their health in general. So Well, Options 360 does a thorough job. You've been working in our community for many years. You do pregnancy testing, limited ultrasound education, unconditional support, whether oh, yeah. or not a girl comes in and says, you know, I, I don't want to have an abortion. I'm going to mm-hmm. carry my child to term. Or she says, I'm going to move forward with an abortion. You are there to support her when she returns at some point in the future. Absolutely. Sexually transmitted disease testing, education protection. Options 360 really is a full service uh, ministry to the communities in Vancouver and in Bath. Battleground. I think it's important to point out that you don't receive any money from the state. You don't receive any money from the federal government. There's no big organization that's underwriting the cost of the work of Options 360. No, um, we do not. In fact, we um, have a lot of um, our patients donate back. They they want to give back. You know, um, part of my job at Options is I'm an Earn While You Learn coach, which mm-hmm. is our uh, video-based parenting class. And we have a lot of those girls come in week by week, and they want to give back. We have many people that use clothes or their babies, you know, grow out of clothes and they donate them back. Um, uh, A story that uh, comes to mind right now is just recently we had a young family that walked in the door and um, the, the young woman, she was probably 21 years old. She came in and she's like, I'd like to make a donation. And I said, oh, wonderful. Would you like a tax receipt? And she's like, no, I want to be anonymous. I just want to, to donate this. And I said, oh, that's wonderful. She had her husband with her or her partner with her and a about three-year-old little boy. Mm-hmm. And um, it was just a lovely family. And I asked her again, what, what's your name? And she's like, no, I want to be anonymous. You know, I was 19 years old. I wasn't sure what I was going to do. And I just want to make this donation because you guys helped me. You gave me an ultrasound when I didn't know what to do. You gave me some answers that I needed. And I said, wonderful. After they left, um, I opened it up and it was $1,000 mm. cash. You know, and there was a note in there with a picture of this darling little boy who, again, he was only two or three. And she said, please use this money to help anybody that um, was in need just like me. You guys helped me so much. And it was signed, A Happy Family. And that just, I was so emotional when I saw that because $1,000 is a lot of money. Yeah, certainly for a young family. What you just described is what happens at Options 360 all the time. A mm-hmm. young woman walks in, maybe by herself, yeah. maybe with her boyfriend, maybe with her husband. Mm-hmm. She's not sure what to do. And she is welcome. She has a, she's in a warm environment that is going to give her the full range of her options, mm-hmm. is going to tell her the truth, and can help her make a decision that she ultimately, and in most cases, her child can live with. That's right. This is a service to our community because right now, my guess is there's another 19-year-old, maybe mm-hmm. a 15-year-old. Absolutely who is very confused about whether or not she's pregnant to begin Mm -hmm. with. 
And then once she discovers that she's pregnant, what on earth to do next? She has no idea. But Options 360 stands there in the gap and ministers to that young mm-hmm. woman. Uh, and this is a, a reflection of the pro-life community here in this uh, in this area. Now, we're at the end of the year. People are making decisions about where they want to spend their um, their giving dollars. Mm-hmm. And I want to encourage our listeners to consider Options 360. As I mentioned, they provide a number of services that are really quite literally changing the trajectory of the lives of young women and uh, young young men as well in some true. of the services that you provide. Mm-hmm. Why should our listeners consider Options 360 when they're making their year-end giving decisions? You know, I think what stands out the most to me is that our ser- we begin serving the community even before they o- come into the clinic. Mm-hmm. With our online services, they're requesting for um, information. We are already... Um, starting to serve them before they enter the clinic. You know, they step through the door, the receptionist greets them. We're already setting a foundation to be uh, set apart from other clinics. They don't get the attention that they get um, at Options 360. And you mentioned, you know, that young men are also involved. I know two men that, uh, two young men that come in to do the Earn While You Learn classes and um, just to be better dads. Mm-hmm. You know, and so we are offering, you know, happy families. And that's that's to me, you know, so worth the time and the effort and also the money without the generous donations of people. We would not be able to keep our doors open. We wouldn't be able to um, have those success stories the way that we were hearing. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're hearing a lot of young women who will say things like, I think I'm too young to have a baby or I don't know how to tell my parents or whatever. But we are also hearing hearing a lot of older women saying, I think I'm too old to have a baby and mm-hmm. I don't think I can do it at this stage in my life. Or, you know, we're, we're just hearing all kinds of different stories uh, come in. And so the support that Options gives them is really invaluable. Well, to have someone to come alongside and walk you through what can be a series of very difficult decisions mm-hmm. as you're trying to imagine a future right. uh, with a child is such a blessing in and of itself. Mm-hmm. I want to point out that Options 360 is not a political organization. What they do is they are an expression of the pro-life community in Battleground in Vancouver. And I know for many pro-lifers, who really have a strong sense that they support the sanctity of human life but don't really know how to respond in a constructive way, this is a great opportunity for you to support a ministry that is there when your teenage daughter finds out she's pregnant, um, when the girl in your Sunday school class or the Sunday school teacher is uh, facing an unplanned pregnancy, doesn't know what to do, needs some support to come alongside. Options 360 is there. Uh, the doors are only open because of the generosity of folks just like you. You don't have to live in the Vancouver or Battleground area to support the work of Options 360. But if you do live in those communities, let me encourage you especially to consider uh, options when you're doing your year-end giving. Now, what's the best way for our listeners who want to uh, come alongside Options uh, perhaps today at the end of the year, but then continuing through the uh, the new year. Um, the best way that they can help, they can um, go to our Facebook page. They can like us and share us with other people. They can talk about us in their churches and um, encourage other people to donate or even to volunteer their time. Um, I think those are the best ways they can, can do it. Visit our website and just spread the word. Can you give uh, online at the website? I believe you can. Um, you can call... Um, Either of the locations, and we can take donations over the phone, or we would be glad to um, give our address out, and you can mail things in if you'd like, or swing by and, and drop it off 
right at the front desk. Well, let me encourage you to check out Options 360. Oh. You can start on Facebook. That's a good good place to mm-hmm. start. Uh, but also the uh, the uh, clinic in Battleground is on Main Street, West Main Street. Uh, the clinic in um, Vancouver is on I-205, or, or it's called the I-205 Clinic. It's on Northeast 104th in Vancouver, uh, and you can uh, donate to the organization. And let me encourage you to go to the website because there's a lot of good information there to help you better understand the work that they do. And I would encourage you to do two things. Number one, to make a commitment to pray for the work of Options 360. For those who are committed to ministering to uh, men and women who come through the doors of this ministry, but also to support them financially because there's no shortage of people who have a heart to serve and to do the work of the ministry. But we need um, financial support to keep the doors open, to make sure that the uh, ultrasound machines are working, that the professional medical professionals are there, that the STI, the sexually transmitted disease um, uh, testing kits are there, that education can continue and so on. Uh, That requires uh, financing. And if you uh, are a pro-lifer and you want to be constructive and just extend the love of Christ into your community, there are very few options that are better than Options 360. I want to thank you for the work that you do and the other staff and volunteers uh, at the two locations of Options 360. When we are off doing other things, you guys are faithfully serving in the community. And uh, because of that, you have families like the uh, family you described a moment Mm -hmm. ago who is thriving and others who in this coming year in 2019 will be shocked to to learn, I'm pregnant. Mm -hmm. I have no idea what next And Options 360, if your um, supporters continue to do the role that God, I believe, has called us to do, will keep those doors open, and that life has the opportunity to thrive as well. So thank you for your faithfulness, and I want to encourage our listeners to faithfully give to Options 360. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time. All right. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. Tomorrow on the program, we're going to talk with Ashley Hales, the book Finding Holy in the Suburbs, Living Faithfully in the Land of too much. So I hope you'll join us. You're listening to The Georgine Rice Show. James Blend, producer and engineer. Thank you for making The Georgine Rice Show part of your day. Have a great night. Thanks for listening to The Georgine Rice Show podcast. If you'd like to download a podcast of the show or would like more information on today's guests, please visit the show at kpdq.com or on Facebook. Follow the show on Twitter at G. Rice Show and like us on Facebook. And join us live every weekday at 4 for more critical thinking for critical times on 93.9 KPDQ. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.